mean, it's just cornmeals. Dense, dense, dense. Mm-hmm. And that was like the basis of every meal. And I was so over it. <laughs> I mean, they make great like meat sauces to dip it in or like, I guess kind of like, kind of like a African version of collard greens, I guess. We ate that kind of often too, but I was okay. just so over that Ugali mix. I was like, this is just not it. Like there's nothing to it. But yeah. then once I left, I was like, man, I would, you know what I would do for some Ugali right now? Like, <laughs> but I was so over it when it was just served in front of me all the time. That's funny how that happens. I mean, it was a temporary trip. You adjust. Right. That diet does something to you though, you know, in the bathroom though, let's say. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, those first days we were all like stomachs gargling like that. That was that was an adjustment. Yeah, a little while. (laughs) Gotta be real. You gotta share the whole experience. Right. That's true. That's true. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Devana as the guest. I'm also pretty excited to talk to you today because this is the 60th episode of Young, Gifted, and Abroad, so that's really exciting. And so instead of doing seasons for the show, I usually just count by tens. So normally in this instance, the following week I would do another edition of one of my 10 cents episodes where it's just me talking, reflecting on the show, and thanking people that I feel like I need to thank, and then also sharing any lessons I've learned or advice I want to share. But the thing is, the second anniversary of Young, Gifted, and Abroad is coming up on June 19th. Uh, also known as Juneteenth, which is not that far away. And for me, I just felt like it might be overkill putting out two episodes of just me talking (laughs) within less than a month span of time. So instead of doing a 10 cents episode next week, what I will do is I will put out another regular episode of Young Gifted and Abroad in two weeks. Uh, because I have one more interview that I want to get out to y'all before the anniversary comes around. So that'll be on June 9th. And then on June 10th, June 19th, which is a Friday instead of my usual Tuesday, on that day I will put out a special episode celebrating two years of me doing this podcast. (laughs) So that's how things are going to go, and I hope you are looking forward to it. But um, let's return to the present. And in the present, we are focused on Devana. Devana is a really kind and driven person whom I met when we were both undergraduate students at Michigan State University. Uh, We actually met uh, when we were both in the gospel choir. (laughs) And Devana went to college wanting to become a humanitarian of some sort. That's what she's wanted to do with her life for a long time is to help people around the world and so during her last semester of undergrad she did a community development program in Tanzania so she was there for six to seven weeks where she was studying about community development but also helping to do service related projects with a local community there in Tanzania and 
that was really great exposure for her and really continued to move her in the direction toward um, international development and continuing to find a way um, to help people around the world like she had always wanted to do. And so from there she decided to join the Peace Corps and interestingly enough, though she was trying to get back to East Africa, uh, she actually got placed in her last choice which was Jamaica. Now Devana is Jamaican, her parents are Jamaican and she had been to Jamaica numerous times and so she was really kind of disappointed with that placement because uh, she wanted to go somewhere different but uh, she thought doing the Peace Corps would really help her get a leg up in her career and move forward in life and you know do more of the development work that she was interested in doing so she went and you know every every person's experience is different uh, you might remember uh, Floor from episode 50 she did the Peace Corps in Nicaragua and had amazing things to say about her experience um, Devana was really committed to serving but things in Jamaica just did not go according to plan and she ended up having to leave early you'll hear her explain all about why and how that happened um, but yes so she had to leave early and it actually ended up being the best decision for her and life has continued to move on and she's now uh, been working with refugee communities she has a son she has a fiance she has started a, a tour company so you know life has continued to unfold for her and even with the hardships that she's dealt with she has managed to gain perspective and see how um, all of her various experiences have shaped who she is today um, and for me as someone who uh, has a harder time or maybe takes a little longer to come to terms with you know disappointment or redirection or just big changes I really admire Devana's ability to adapt yeah just so astounded by how she's been able to adapt and just and just keep it moving so and of course it was uh, great to catch up with her again because you know we at MSU we saw each other in passing and you know, kept in touch via the internet, but it was nice to just hear from her how she's doing. And oh man, she's great. She's great. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Devana McCarthy. Hi, I know it's been a long time since we've spoken. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I wanted to say uh, congratulations to you again on your engagement and then also with your your son. Didn't he just turn one recently, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Congrats to you <laughs> and all the different milestones and everything. Thank you. Yeah, and I uh, wanted to say thanks for agreeing to be a guest. I appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, no, it's it's my it's an honor. It's my pleasure. Okay, so why don't we start with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind? Okay, so I'm Devon McCarthy. Um, grew up in the Michigan area. Um, I've got Jamaican background. I went to Michigan State University. Um, and there I studied interdisciplinary studies, so my focus was international studies and political science. 
Um, and then I got my master's online in international relations through Webster University. Okay. Cool. And you went to, while you were at MSU, you went to Tanzania, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So what was, because I usually ask people, like, was that your first time going abroad? But your parents are, are Jamaican, right? So had you, right. had you been there before? Like, had you traveled internationally before you went to Tanzania? Yes, I have been to, like, Canada to visit family, went to Mexico, been to Jamaica, of course. And then I also did an exchange trip in high school um, in Germany. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And what was the exchange trip for? Was that through like a particular organization or something? It was just my hometown sister city. Uh, every year we do an exchange where um, a group of American students go to Heidelberg, not Heidelberg, um, oh my goodness, Wieslock, Germany. Um, and then we're there for about a month. And then later on in the school year, then the Germans come and stay with us. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So did you just sign up or did you have to, like, was there a selection process for who could go to Germany? No, I think it was just those that were interested, if I remember correctly. It was just those that were interested and then I don't, maybe there were 12 of us or so that went. Okay. Since it was a sister city thing, like, was it mostly sightseeing or what types of things did you do when you were in Germany? It was a lot of sightseeing. Um, we did some just, like, general see the daily life, you know, shopping uh, we went to school with the kids for a few days. But, yeah, I would say mostly it was tourism stuff. Okay. What was it like going to school in Germany? <laughs> it was interesting. Um, it's far more rigid. I think one of my favorite parts was the fact how they do lunchtime. The kids usually go home for lunch, and lunch is like two hours. Mm. And when I went home, the parents were home, too. Like, everyone comes home. It was Lunch is like the dinner. That is the family meal. And I thought that was the coolest thing, one that you have such an extended amount of time too, that, like, you know, the family is all involved in that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that must be nice just to have, like, that extended break in the middle of the day instead of having to, you know, here, you kind of have to go from, like, before sun up if it's high school, from, like, before dawn all the way through to, like, late at night, depending on what your activities are. Yeah. Right, yeah. It, their school reminded me a lot more of college. It was more focused on, you know, kind of what you're interested in doing in the future. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was that was interesting to see the you know not just kind of like a general schooling but more of like a focus based on what the kids are interested in. Right, right. And and how did your parents feel? Was this your first time going? Because you mentioned traveling to visit family. Since this was kind of a different type of thing, like were your parents really excited about this, or were they nervous about you going on this trip at all? That's a good question. I want to say they were nervous, but I also know that like I mean we went with some adults that came along with us and they were all people that my parents really knew and were comfortable with. So I think mm -hmm. that was very helpful. Um, but I think they were a little nervous. They always have been probably yeah. always will be. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Did any of your sisters go on no, the Germany I'm, trip? I am the, I am the adventurous one. Okay. Us. So I've, I've done a lot more of this than any of them have. Okay. I was just wondering, cause I don't know, well, I don't know your ages exactly, but I just, was wondering if, if some of y'all were in high school at the same time, maybe some, you know, maybe it wasn't just you who went, but it sounds like it was just you. It was. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you got to go to Germany in high school. Wow. Okay. Yes. And then and then you went to, to Tanzania and, and while you were at MSU. Um, why why Tanzania? What what brought that about? You know, I I I wanna say that I just had 
I decided to study abroad because I did it like as my last semester, which I seriously regret. I wish I had done it earlier so that I probably could have done more than one trip. Hmm. But um, I think it was, it was, the focus was community development. And at that time I was doing international studies and political science, like I mentioned, and that was mm-hmm. wanted to be humanitarian of some kind. So that really seemed like it fit into what I was looking to do. Okay. And that, the location just happened to be Tanzania. Gotcha. So it was for the, the specific program and then it happened to be in, in Tanzania. Right. Okay. So, I mean, was this like a requirement or just something that you thought of doing during your last, you said last semester or last year? It was literally my last semester. Last it semester. Was, it was just something that, I don't I don't even know what brought me to that point of wanting to study abroad. I know my older sister had done it. She had a great experience. Mm-hmm. She went to the UK, but I honestly don't remember what brought it about, but it, I'm happy I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in line with what you were studying too. So, okay. Right. So, so you just found like an MSU program that was going there and, and signed up for it pretty much? Right. Because I mean, MSU is known for its study abroad programs, especially in Africa. Yeah. And maybe that, maybe that was the thought was just like, how do I leave this place and not take advantage of, you know, something that's so well known and right. well spoken of. Yeah. So, so then, um, how long were you in Tanzania when you went? I want to say it was like six or seven weeks. Six or seven weeks. Okay. Was this like during the summer or no, wait, this is your last semester. Wait. So then when it was, it was during the summer. It was like Uh-oh. July through August, June through August area. So yeah, it was over the summer. Okay. Okay. And so you went, did an MSU program. So I'm assuming it was a bunch of other MSU students on this participating in this as well. Yeah. It was a pretty small group of us. Um, but what was really interesting about it was it's kind of when we got to Tanzania after our first few weeks of training, um, when we got into the field, then we joined, um, some Tanzanian students from university as well. And so they were along with us for the rest of it. And that was, that was an interesting aspect. I don't even think I knew about until I got there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you said this was about, um, international development. That's what the focus of development. community development. Okay. And so... How were your days structured? What were you doing on a, on a day-to-day basis? So for the first few weeks, we were at like this training site. Um, and so there were, there was another MSU group there at the same time. Uh, I think it was an education group. So they did things kind of differently, but we did cross paths a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were students from all over. They just, we did like a language immersion where, you know, we had classes throughout the day and just learn about the culture and learn about the language. Um, we did some touring around like the local community we were staying in. One day we had to, we learned about like the market and fruits and vegetables and money and things like that. And then they sent us to the market with money and we're like, come back with, you know, two items of food, one item of clothing. That was something else. Mm-hmm. And then after we went to the training, then we went to a site, which was a Maasai village, um, not too far from there. And we stayed in a lodge and then daily, early in the morning, we would go out, work with the villagers, um, specifically at an elementary school. Mm. And we just kind of... I mean, I guess we kind of found out what they needed. So some of the things we did were like instructional materials. We built, um, I think it was a volcano diagram uh, out of like rocks and then painted it so they could tell all the different parts. And that was part of the study. Mm-hmm. We did maps. Um, we helped them organize like a library. We took turns teaching classes. So I think we did an English class at one point. And we taught them how to write letters and how to address it and formalize them. Uh, and then one of the big projects that we ran into just by chance was uh, a water project. The mm. school, the kids did not have 
lunch or food during the day. Um, so that was really, really hard to see. Um, there had been an international organization that had been providing food for them for a while, for two years or so, but there was no sustainability to that. So when the organization had to pick up and move, the school was back left with the same issue. Oh, man. And yeah, there was a, a big water problem. They didn't have water at the school. So, I mean, it's hot. <laughs> we're in Africa. It's mm-hmm. hot. And, you know, so we were real. I know a lot of us were like, if you drink from your water bottle, we'd like go in the car and kind of hide and take sips. Because you just feel bad doing, you know, you can't share with everyone. And, you know, you can't give your lunch. So during lunchtime, we would have to, you know, drive away and be out of the view. Because we didn't want, you know, to put that in front of the kids. Right. That'd be rude. Um, yeah, Exactly. Uh, but the big issue with the water project, well, I guess MSU has a program there that was working to get money to, um, put pipes in for mm-hmm. the village so that the school could have water. Um, and somehow I guess the deal was that if the villagers, you know, kind of dug the trenches, started the infrastructure, then, you know, the university would give the money to have people come in and lay the pipes and get water to the school. And that had just been in delay for some time. It had been a political issue, I guess, where, you know, leaders were holding the money and, you know, stopping things from happening. Mm. And the most impactful thing I think we did there was, or one of them, was the lodge we were staying at. I think it was during Ramadan. And a lot of the Muslim leaders happened to be staying at that lodge because the owner was an older gentleman who was really well known in the community. Mm. And one of our professors, one of our Tanzanian professors that was along, he was like, I'm going to go talk to them about what's going on. And he went over and sat at their table and was just like, like, here's the situation. And those water pipes were put in in like a week. (laughs) Wow. That was the game changer right there. It's crazy how just running into, you know, the right person at the right time, you know, changed these people's lives or something that had just been an unnecessary holdup for months. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then like those pipes, are they, are they made to last for a good amount of time too? Yes, they should. Okay. Yeah, so it's good that you you all got to witness that happen. I mean, did you have to help install? I mean, you're not trained to install pipes, so I don't no, know no. <laughs> what your no, involvement was. That okay? <laughs> no, we didn't do any of that, and we weren't actually still present when all of it actually went down. But I've stayed in contact with people from the village and everything to get updates. But yeah, it was it was a really good trip for me. It was very frustrating. Like I remember we had just a venting session, hmm. um, but just among ourselves about how angry we were. You know that. We're watching the kids daily do this and that and not have this and that when, you know, people are just being selfish and holding things up and right. then to see that big change. But I feel like that was so impactful to me to see what community development is, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of us think, you know, you just land in a village where people need help and you just help. But, you know, it doesn't matter how many resources we would have come with or how much knowledge we would have come with. There is always that political issue that can have such an impact and it's that 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 really hit hit home for me as far as the reality of what I'm looking to get into. It's not just going to be some simple heroism, you know, effort. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you mentioned going to the market. I mean, did you have to learn to barter with them or something? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. And this was my. We had one student who came with us who had studied Swahili, so okay. she had a better base knowledge of everyone, but. I mean, other than that, we just went in what we've learned with our little lessons and <laughs> go through. And I think people were really nice. Like, they realized that we were trying to get, you know, what was what. So, we made it through. But it was it was interesting. It was very overwhelming in the market, though. It's very crowded. It's very hot. It's very dusty. People can get, you know, handsy as far as, like, you know, trying to pull you over to their stall to buy what they've got. So, it was a bit intimidating. Mm-hmm. 
But you you did it. <laughs> you made I it sure through. I did. I said I came here. This might be a once in a lifetime experience. Like, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd seen my dad do it when we traveled. But you okay. know, my dad wasn't there that time. So I was like, okay, you know, like, you what would my dad do in this moment? Let me just imitate him and make yeah. it work. Yeah, cool, cool. And you said you were you were aiming to be like a, a humanitarian. Like, that's what you were Correct. aiming for with your studies. Why was that uh, what you wanted to do with your life? Like, what made you want to pursue that? You know, because um, originally when I went to college, I had went in for psychology. Mm-hmm. And then I think after taking was some psychology class had to do with the brain. And when they were just breaking things down and I was taking those tests, I was like, this is not it. Mm-hmm. If this is what it takes, like, this is not it. And I took a sociology class, and I think my professor was from Iran. And just the perspective that he had and the way he taught the class, I don't know. I had changed my degree to sociology for a second. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what he was talking about and in what I wanted to change based on the conversations that we were having, I realized that that wasn't a good fit for me. So that's why I went to the International Studies Political Science route. Okay. Um and I think that I, it's just a matter of helping people around the world. That's just what I wanted to do. I didn't know, you know, within what capacity or in what specific area. It's just like, you know, I want to help people around the world. And I love to work with people from different cultures. Because um, while I was in high school I, or in college, I did, um, for one of my classes, we had to work with refugees mm-hmm. to train them in English. So, you know, we were just teaching English classes a couple of days a week. And I really like, I mean, after getting to know those people, hear their stories, I was like, wow, this is fabulous. But I would love to do this, like, in your home country versus yeah. here. Were you, wait, were you at the, the Refugee Development Center? Was that where you were at? Yes. Oh, okay. I was an intern there, too, for a little bit. So Okay. Uh, but, you no, know, you mentioned um, helping refugees learn English. And I was like, huh, I wonder if she was yep. at the same place I was at. And I guess you yeah. were. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's um you you would like to hope that everyone would be, you know, concerned with helping people, but the fact that that was what you wanted to do with your life, like that was your part of your career aspirations, you know, that's not something that that applies to everybody. So, I mean, I think that's really good that that's, you know, that's what you decided you wanted to do. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, before going to Tanzania, did you did you all get any briefing about Tanzania as a country? You know, I believe we met between like when I did my um, interview, I guess, and I met the professor because one of our professors was from Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the group only met once uh, to kind of just talk, to kind of just meet each other. But I don't think we did a whole lot of orientation as far as like what to expect going to Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that I was. I don't, I think that kind of was a benefit because it's so, you know, people say don't have expectations. Yeah. And I think if you know too much, it's really hard not to have expectations. But when you go in ignorant, I think in this case, it was kind of a good thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I didn't really know what to expect. Because I think if I had known too much, I would have been like, hold up, like, this is not what I learned. This is not, you know, what was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think it was better that I just kind of went in blind. You know, that's a good point. Because it's like, like you said, if you have... I don't want to say preconceived notions. Like you said, if, if you if you know, if you go in with a certain amount of information, you kind of can't help expecting things to be a certain way or having an idea right. of how things are going to go. So it's good to be prepared, but there's like maybe a risk of being like too prepared. Whereas versus right. with you, it sounds like you were open to just going and seeing how things were and adapting, adapting as you went. So Very much so. 
Yeah. And was this your first time in Africa as well? It was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. So that must have been cool. That's an experience everyone needs to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially going to East Africa, I feel like we hear a lot about Southern Africa or West Africa. East Africa, maybe not so much, maybe. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah. So that's cool that you got to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it most definitely was. And one aspect of the trip I forgot to mention, we did a, we did a homestay. Mm, okay. For a week with a family. And after, like, living, after doing the whole Germany thing and living in Germany, versus, like, you know, when I go on vacation with my family, you know, we stay in a resort, mm-hmm. it's a total different experience to go somewhere and stay with someone locally. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's when you get the real, real. Like, you see, you know, we went in the kitchen and watched how they cook the food, and we took the bucket baths and things like that. Like, that was, that was something else, and I still stay in contact with the family to this day, but I feel like... You don't get as much of an authentic experience unless you're with somebody, mm-hmm. like, living their daily life. Yeah. So, I mean, you said it was, like, a small group, but y'all were, like, split up, and so each of y'all, or maybe pairs of y'all were with different families? Right. I think most of us ended up going alone, but I ended up with someone else, which was actually really cool for me because it was really intimidating to know, like, I'm going to go stay, you know, with strangers in a mm-hmm. foreign country speaking a language I don't know, mm-hmm. but that worked out really well for us. Yeah. How did y'all communicate with, with the family? So my family, fortunately, I was with an older gentleman. He did speak English. Okay. Um, and I think usually most of the families, if the parents didn't, you know, most of the kids do. So there was always someone there, you know, to help you get around what you needed to. Plus it was, it really forced us, even though the man I stayed with spoke English, he knew that we were studying it. And he really made us use it. He was like, no, I know you know this. <laughs> like, let's hear it in Swahili. I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> you pushed y'all to, to, to build your linguistic chops up. Um, For sure. Yeah. Is, is Swahili, is that like the, the major language in, in Tanzania? Yes, it is. Okay. I don't know much about Tanzania, so I'm just asking for my own, <laughs> my hey, own curiosity's sake. <laughs> Okay, so you lived with his family. Like, did you do anything with them, or was it just like that was just where you lived and you had meals together, and then outside of that, you were doing your own thing? Yeah, we did. Um, we just lived with, lived with them. I don't think we. I don't remember doing anything particularly special with them. Okay, um, but we just kind of lived with them while we went to our classes daily, and then you know go back home and then do their routine with whatever they do, and then on the weekends. With the group, we would do, like, uh, more tourist stuff. Like, we'd go on the safaris and visit the national parks, which was, like, impeccable. Yeah. You, wow. So, you went on a safari. safari. What I What is that like? Three or four. Three or four? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, what is that like? I mean, that that is something that I don't even know. Like, I mean, you get up early in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and then we get in these big, I don't even know what you call them, these Jeep-like things. Um, you bring food and stuff for the day, and then we would travel to the national park, and they would just take us on a tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to stay in the vehicles at all times, of course, for like safety reasons and legal purposes and stuff. But I mean, the one of the places we went to is in Gorongoro Crater, which was the one I probably remember the most. It was just like it's just an old crater, you know, from a volcano that's no longer active. I mean, how lush it was. How high we went, you know, because you drive around the rim before you go into it. Mm. The animals that you see, like, I mean, it was, it's National Geographic, like, real life. Wow. I mean, I think I've, I think I saw every animal, like, I think, what do they call the big five or big six? 
which are like the rare animals to see. I got to see all of them, which is very rare. I remember one time it was like, we're you know, we're in a line driving into one of the national parks and an elephant rolls up and he's flapping his ears, which can tend to be an aggressive thing. And he's just coming at the vehicles. <laughs> and mind you, like we're on a cliff, like driving up and all these vehicles are reversing and we're honking our horns. Like everybody get back. <laughs> I mean, there were just so many experiences, just things I never imagined I would get the opportunity to see. Because again, I didn't realize that safari is going to be part of the trip. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, wait, what? We're going to go do this? I mean, it was long days. You're out for a significant amount of time. But I mean, just being able to see these animals in real life action. I know we saw like one time we saw a herd of zebras go by and there was a baby and its leg had been clearly bitten by something. That was sad to see, but it was oh. just, it was so unreal. Yeah, it sounds like it. And you got to do that multiple times going on safari. Multiple times. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was fabulous. And yeah. one time we did a we did a bike ride as well. Um, that was I was not I wasn't ready for that. I was not in shape to be riding a bike. I was so <laughs> sore. It was like a twelve mile bike ride. Twelve miles. Warned me for this. I mean, it was it was beautiful. Like we went through the town and we went to one of the national parks again, and we saw like flamingos and the water had like all dried up, so it was all salty on the ground. But I mean, yeah. like, there were um, like antelope running through the field. Like it was just. It was just unreal. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I'm so glad you had that experience. Like me too. <laughs> me too. I'm just like smiling so hard thinking about all the beautiful things you you must have seen. That's that's it's, fantastic. I'm telling you, it was amazing. I never <laughs> imagined interacting with animals, wild animals, on that level ever yeah. in my life, and it yeah. was it was so fabulous. Yeah, and you said um, about the home state. Did you not do a homestay when you were in in Germany? Yeah, when I was in Germany, I did live with the family the whole time. Oh, okay. So you did one in Germany, and then you did it again when you went to Tanzania. Right. So when I found out we were doing one in Tanzania, I was really excited because I knew that through my time staying in Germany, like, that was just, I feel like that makes the opportunity so much more, like, enriched. Yeah. To be able to, you know, get that full firsthand experience with someone who's from the area. Yeah, for sure. It definitely adds a lot more more depth when you can spend time with people who actually live there, you know. Um, Without a doubt. And you said you still keep in touch with them. I do. Yeah. I do. That's cool. So yeah. I tell them, I'm like, one day when I convince my family to come back, we're like, we're rolling through, get ready. Yes. <laughs> How did your family feel? Did you keep in touch with, with them while you were there? Like, keeping them up to date on what you were doing? I did. One thing I remember specifically, it was a little more difficult. We did have internet, but it wasn't always reliable and uh-huh. everything. But um, a couple times I know I was sitting outside video chatting with my family at night because there's a significant time difference between, you know, Tanzania and the U.S. Yeah. And so I remember one time I was sitting on my, my sister's and it's dark and I'm outside and the computer's kind of pointed, like, above my head so they can, like, see the sky. Mm-hmm. And there are literally monkeys swinging through the trees. And my sister's oh, like, wow. you don't go inside. <laughs> like, these things are going to get you. Like, they could not believe. Like, they were nervous and they weren't even anywhere in the clothes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> it was it was something else. They were like, this is this is too wild for me. They're, they're far more reserved when it comes to this kind of stuff. They were like, uh-uh. Like, I would have been indoors. You couldn't have got me out. <laughs> but i guess that's just something you get used to right i mean i guess or you you're not even used to it you just have to realize like if this is what i'm gonna do this is part of the experience yeah 
you know, there's there's no option. You take it or you don't go. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you can uh, convince them all, and y'all can all go um, find a way to to get them to <laughs> kind of just make peace with the whole monkeys or the possibility right. of random animal <laughs> si- random animal sightings. <laughs> right. Because I mean, it it really was like I remember we were driving one time and giraffes ran across the street. You know, like I'm used to deer. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> not giraffes. You know, but like, and then you know, he's our driver slammed on the brakes, and I was like, "Yo, like, what just happened?" He's like, "Giraffe just ran across the street. We're watching them run through the field." Yeah, and I was like, "What happens if you hit one?" They're like, "You go to jail." These are like protected animals. I'm like, "But they ran in front of you. Like, you have no control over this." It was just it was doesn't awesome matter. Kind of stuff. You just, I'm sorry, I just hit a giraffe on the way. Like, you know, it's it's something. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good that they're uh, protected in that way. I didn't know it was illegal to to For hit sure. and kill giraffes, you know. Right. Yeah, it's like that. There's a there's a city in Japan called um, Nara, and it's like tons of deer in that town, and, and I think it's illegal to to do anything to them as well because they've been around for like centuries yeah people feed them and they demand food and they just go wherever they want and that's just in that town the deer can just you know do what they want and you're not supposed to do anything to them which i mean i think is great you know um that they're protected in that way but i never (laughs) would have thought of giraffe like a giraffe just crosses your path you know i know i know Wow. something you're not ready for. You just can't be ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. And then what about, um, I mean, very basic question, but like, what about the food? What was the food like in Tanzania? Um, let's see. I, I know I didn't like breakfast. Okay. I wasn't a big fan of breakfast. There was a lot of like beans and then sort of like a hot dog sausage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a lot of bread with like jams. And then dinner, I don't I guess a, a lot more, what do you want to say, like flour, carb-based, you know, like potatoes, uh, different things that you make from flour. They have this thing called chapati, which mm-hmm. is, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess it's kind of like a pancake, but flatter and maybe a little more sweet. That was probably my favorite thing to eat there. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have this thing called ugali, which is like a cornmeal water kind of mix that you cook. And then it's just like, like mashed potatoes, but I mean, it's just cornmeals dense 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 mm-hmm. and that was like the basis of every meal and i was so over it <laughs> i mean they make great like meat sauces to dip it in or like i guess kind of like kind of like a african version of collard greens i guess we ate that kind of often too but i was okay. just so over that ugali mix i was like this is just not it like there's nothing to it but you know they what was the basis of every meal and you dip it in but yeah. then once i left i was like man i would you know what i would do for some ugali right now like, <laughs> <laughs> but I was so over it when it was just served in front of me all the time. That's funny so, how that happens. Oh, wow. Right. So so then what did you do? Did you just not eat it or did you find something else no, to no, eat? No, I definitely, I'm not that kind of person. Okay. I'm just like, what, you know, if someone's feeding me, what you give me is what I'm going to eat. And yeah. All right. Like, as long as my stomach's full, I'm not hungry. Plus, right. it wasn't, like, we didn't do much, we didn't do any shopping or anything like that. I mean, they had little shops and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. snacks and grocery stores are not common like what you would find here like if i was craving some american cookies i probably couldn't find them so mm-hmm. i mean it was a temporary trip you adjust right 
I mean, that's kind of what you're there for, right? To exactly to that's experience it. So. Experience, right? That diet does something to you, though. You know, in the bathroom, though, looks like oh. that. <laughs> that an adjustment. <laughs> that, that, I'm telling you, those first days, we were all like stomachs gargling, like that. That was that was an adjustment. Yeah, <laughs> a little while. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um Okay. Sorry, I just really had to caught me off guard. <laughs> gotta be real, you gotta share the whole experience. Right, that's true, that's true. So, I mean obviously you are, you know, a young black woman in Tanzania and Africa for the first time. Do you feel like Granted, it's Africa. You've never been. This is a distinct country, a distinct group of people who live here. But I'm just wondering for you as a black woman there, I mean, did you feel, you know, like you were just there, like you were part of it? You were able to, like, just blend in? Or did you notice, like, how you differed from, you know, the people who were around you? I most definitely noticed. Okay. Um, So, one thing, people would call me white. Clearly, I'm not white. Huh. But, and I don't even know if I'm necessarily, like, I don't even necessarily consider myself light-skinned, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, people would call me white, and everyone asked me if I was mixed, like, do I have a white parent? I remember having to pull up a picture of me and my parents to prove, like, one of my parents is not white. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. I definitely think there's colorism there because of that. But again, I was the only black American in my group. Okay. Um, so that was, that was an interesting fact. Uh, I know they were fascinated with my hair. It's like, we, we have the same hair. I just style mine a little different. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So that was, that was always an interesting conversation. Maybe, And I don't know if there was a fascination. I've never felt more like, I mean, I've never got so much attention from people in my lifetime. I've never felt more queen-like as I'm walking through. Like, I felt like I could walk through places I went in park crowds. Like, you know, they, they made you just feel like gassed you up. Hmm. I don't know if it's because I'm American. I don't know if that was a color thing. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the amount of attention that I got, you know, especially from the opposite sex, was just something else. And that was sometimes, like, scary, intimidating, overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that that was something that I I hadn't expected or hadn't even considered. Yeah. Were they calling you white just because of your skin tone? Or was it because maybe you acted in an American way? I think it might have been a combination of you know, the, my skin color, as well as the fact that, I mean, I was with a group, the, all the American students, like I said, were white. So right. Okay. Yeah. People I was walking around with too. I think that was kind of like the association. Also the fact that I was American, like people knew as soon as I opened my mouth, clearly I'm not from Tanzania. Right. <laughs> She's obviously not from here. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. Cause they, they have a term for, you know, what they call white people or foreigners, which is Mzungu. And I got called that on occasion. So I was like, okay, clearly I'm grouped together, you know, with these other people as well. Yeah. Huh. I think definitely as far as being around people that look like me Mm -hmm. was a comfort. But I think because of that language barrier and the fact that I was so easily identified Mm -hmm. as not Tanzanian. Yeah. That that it was like, you know, as long as I keep my mouth shut, I'm good. But, you know, as soon as I, (laughs) you know, that can change real quick. Yeah. Versus like when I was living in Jamaica, I was good all the way through. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm always... I'm always just, you know, one of them. Mm-hmm. And it was easier to blend in. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So that was Tanzania. And then, um, 
So did you come away with it feeling like you had learned what you wanted to learn or felt like you had made an impact on the community you were working with since you were, since the focus was community development and all that? Do you, did you feel satisfied with the experience uh, coming away from it? Um, I think as long as I'm realistic about like the time I was there mm-hmm. and, you know, like the capacity that I was playing, I think I was, I think I'm satisfied. As far as the reality of the situation, I mean, there's so much more that could have been done. And right. I haven't been back in, you know, so many years. I don't know if things have, you know, stayed as we left them. Mm-hmm. So I think just for accepting that, you know, I'm only here for a short amount of, short amount of time, you know, mm-hmm. with only so much knowledge. I definitely felt that the trip was rewarding and that I had done with what I could with what I had. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Because, again, you weren't... Um I mean, there's only so much you can do, even for people who, like, live there trying to do that type of work. And so you were there for a much shorter time. And, yeah, you know, keeping that in perspective is important. So, But I think, but I, I also knew that, like, I guess, you know, maybe in a way I was also wasn't satisfied, though, because I've kept in contact with so many people, you know, some of the teachers there. Mm-hmm. We've helped, some of us in the group have helped pay for a student that was struggling because you know like female genital mutilation is a huge thing there Mm. um child marriage is a huge thing there and you know we had met this one young lady in particular that had you know been going through some of those struggles she had started school i don't know maybe when she was like 14 something crazy like that they tried to marry her off twice she went away oh my goodness And you know she was just like i want to be a lawyer my parents still support me they you know they need me to so, yeah, she had just been kind of telling her, telling us her aspirations and, you know, what had stood in the way. And she had joined school when she was, like, 14, but she was the top of her class and mm-hmm. was doing so well. But, you know, she was like, you know, after this year of school, my parents are not willing to further my education. They said I need to get married. And, like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, some parents' way of survival, you know, through that dowry or whatever processes they have. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, that's, that's not what I want to do. And so we got to help that one student. But, you know, that's still something that's a deep part of the culture that is going to continue. And I'm sure there are going to be more girls that are struggling with that. You know, you can't help them all, but that doesn't mean you don't want to help them all. So that kind of thing is is really difficult to come away with, to know that some of that stuff is just way bigger than you, even if it's not right or if you don't agree with it, but there's not so much you can do. Yeah. And do you you know at all, like, how that girl is doing now? I know it's been some years... Yeah, I do. Uh, we keep in touch. Again, that's we keep in touch. She's still yeah. going to school. She's, oh, okay, wonderful. Headed, she's headed to college next year, I believe. She's um, gone through like some health issues and stuff, but you know, just being able to support her through that time. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the professors from Tanzania that was there, she's living with that professor. So you know, we're able to keep in contact and know just what's going on when we send money. You know, mm-hmm. I know it's not just in the air being used. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I know her tuition fees fees are paid and. She's getting her uniforms, all that stuff. So that is, it's really lovely to be able to be involved like that. Mm-hmm. And I never would have got the opportunity to, you know, play a part in that had I not taken this trip. Right. Well, that's so good that that she's able to pursue what she wants to pursue in life and she has people supporting her, you know, yourself included. You know, I'm sure that's very right. valuable. So Most definitely. Yeah. And, and then, so you went to Tanzania. And then you ended up moving to Jamaica with the Peace Corps, right? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I think the last thing I saw about it was that it kind of ended early and it wasn't, like, really good terms. So I don't want to, like, 
you know, if there's anything that's like sensitive or anything you don't want to talk about, that's fine. But I'm just curious about how you or why you decided to to do the Peace Corps in the first place. Like, what was the motivation for you? Yes, I don't have any problem talking about this experience. I feel like if you had asked me like two years ago, it was really like raw and I was really bitter about the experience. But I feel like now I'm far enough removed that I'm more like comfortable. If you follow me on social media, you know that like I'm way more comfortable talking about my experience and like how and why things went down the way they did. Hmm. Um, but I decided to join the Peace Corps because I had come out of college. I was in like my first big girl job and it was good, but I wanted to move up. And I had, like, already got my master's degree. I was applying around, and I just wasn't getting anything. Everybody's just like, you know, we want this experience. We want you to have lived abroad because I wanted to do, you know, more development work. And they're like, no, we need to have you need to have a language behind you, like, fluently. You need to have lived abroad for a certain amount of time. You need to have lived in hardship, this kind of stuff. So I was like, well, dang, like, how do you get this kind of experience? Like, I want to move up in my life, but I'm not sure what the path is, you know, to be able to do that. So, um, I was like trying to decide between like going to get my PhD and then I decided not to do that because I wasn't sure exactly what specific area I wanted to focus. So I was like, okay, maybe I need some more real life experience to be able to guide me in that way. So, um, I had heard about the Peace Corps. You know, the funniest thing is in college, I had interviewed for one of my writing classes. I had interviewed someone in the Peace Corps, I think because I was thinking about doing it then. Mm-hmm. And just based on the stuff she told me, she had gone some years ago, probably like the seventies. I was like, there is no way ever in life that the Peace Corps is for me. Like, this is <laughs> this is not it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though she spoke highly of her experience, I was just like, I'm not willing to live that life or live without this and that. Um, and then, you know, three, four years later, here I am signing up. And I so I just joined because I thought it was going to be a big career boost for me to take me from where I was to where I was hoping to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you were placed in Jamaica. Did you... I know you can't, like... Like, you can maybe give them your preferences but it's really up to them where you're like your place where you're needed right but was jamaica somewhere that you had wanted to to go is that where you wanted to be placed so jamaica through the years peace corps has changed the application process at first you're only allowed to pick like the region and then you were allowed to pick more specific places but if you had like for me i'm you know my family is jamaican mm-hmm. because i would have had a jamaican background if i would apply the year before i wouldn't have been allowed to go to jamaica Um, so in my, the year I did it, we got to pick three places. Um, and they said, you know, fill in the third blank. If you don't fill it in, then, you know, we'll just assume you're willing to go anywhere. Um, but no one ever gets their third choice. So Hmm. I think my first, my first choice had been Tanzania. I wanted to go back. And that's the reason that I wanted to do the Peace Corps. I was like, I want to go back to Tanzania and do more. And then I had picked another country in East Africa. Uh, it might've been Uganda or Rwanda. I'm not, I don't remember which one. But I ended up not getting either one of those, and I ended up getting placed in Jamaica. Mm. And initially, when I got the invitation letter, I thought I wasn't going to do it because I was like, you told me I wasn't going to get my third choice. The only reason I put somewhere in that line was because (laughs) I knew there were places I was not willing to go. Yeah. I was like, I can't leave this blank because if you offer me some of these places out here that I consider crazy, I'm not going. Mm. So when I got Jamaica, I was like, dang, like, I feel played. I don't want to go. I've been like... (laughs) they gonna teach me you know <laughs> you already know everything about jamaica why do you need to go <laughs> right right but there was there was no way around that yeah so i was like okay well maybe this is god like all right jamaica let's do this and uh-huh. so i decided to go with it was this a part of jamaica that you were familiar with or was this like because i know you're probably used to like 
wherever your family is from within Jamaica. But was this was this like somewhere that was completely different? Yes, it was because I when I we go to Jamaica, I mean, like we visit family at their home, um, but that's still more of a compared to where I was. It's still more of an urban area. Okay. Um, or you know, or we're on the resort, or we're in a touristy town. So this was like the real, real Jamaica, like deep rural. This is mm-hmm. a part that I had never been to for sure. Okay. Is it was it teaching? Was that the main thing that you were doing there? Yeah. So we were, we were teaching with like. Uh, a focus on reading. Literacy. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. I mean, you, you kind of did some of that or interacting with children, you know, in Tanzania, but having to be like a full on teacher, I mean, how, how was that for you? Did you enjoy that? You know, okay. So, so I wasn't a full on teacher. What I did was sort of like um, more, I would call it more tutoring, like working with smaller groups, like you know, oh, right. Okay. When I got there, I talked to the teachers and they would like give me a list of those that were further behind that needed mm-hmm. a little extra help. Maybe their attention spans off or, you know, whatever. So I worked with those students that needed the extra help in small groups, some of them individually, depending on, you know, behavior or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had done that. I had done like work study in college and had done, you know, something very similar. So I was okay with that. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, though, because Jamaica has a very high literacy rate compared to most other countries that have this program. But because of the areas that we were in, you can clearly see, like, the disparity there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think, the biggest, the most difficult parts for me for that were, like, lesson planning. I'm more of a, like, let's just wing it kind of person. <laughs> and also dealing with the behavior of the kids. Because some of the kids, it was not that they're not intelligent. It was not that they have a disability. It was just behavior. They just won't sit down. They just won't listen. And so I think that was one of my biggest challenges was behavior. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm here willing and ready to teach you. But if you're not here willing and ready to learn, like, what can I do? Like, yeah. I cannot strap you down to the chair and hold your eyes open and, you know, force your mouth to read. If you don't want to do it, like, there's only so much control I have there. So I think that was something that was really frustrating for me was the fact that, like, I was going there wanting to help and the teachers wanted me to be there to help, but not all the kids that I was working with wanted that. Yeah. And they're the ones that were supposed to benefit from it. Right. So, I mean, did you just, like, did your best, like, did what you could, and then, you know, if, if they didn't, if they didn't, if they didn't learn, then they just didn't learn? Like, like you said, there's only, there's only so much you can do, right? So. Right. So there were, I think it depended on the kid. Um, there were some kids, there was one boy in particular, he was just out of hand. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, I have trouble with bad kids. I have trouble with bad kids. <laughs> <laughs> he was just out of hand. Okay. So I mean, we tried, we tried, and eventually, like, I just didn't. I it was just too much, and his teachers were like, you know, if he's not going to listen to you, if he's not going to respect you, like, and the way the teachers presented it to me, which I thought was good, was like they were like, it's an honor for the kids to be able to step out of class and get this extra help. This isn't something that has to be provided to them, mm-hmm. so they need to see it that way. And so, you know, if a child is not treating it that way, this is not something they get to do. So maybe it was like. You know, maybe he's he or she is being bad today. I was like, all right, you know, on Thursday when I'm supposed to come get you, I'm just going to get your classmates here. You're going to sit in class until, you know, you can act right. Mm-hmm. And for some of them that worked and for some of them that didn't. Mm-hmm. And for those that repeatedly it didn't work or that I had too many issues with because it's, it's just so difficult. They're not your kids. There's only so much you can do. And if parents aren't involved or don't care, like they're the ones who really need to be able to make that change. And if you don't have that influence and that support, there's, there's nothing that's going to be done. 
And I wanted my time there to be as productive as possible. So I was like, all right, like swap them out with somebody else. (laughs) And that's how I, that's how I ran that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and so for you as, as someone who, you know, you have Jamaican parents and you've been to Jamaica, you know, you're connected with that part of, of your, of yourself and your heritage. Was that any further influenced by the fact that you were like this particular context of living in Jamaica did that impact um, how you see yourself as a as a Jamaican American? Like, did that uh, change anything for you? Um, I don't. I think the only thing it changed was I had such pride in being Jamaican American, which I do again. Mm-hmm. But I think for a second, I kind of lost that. Really? I think because it's kind of like again with like like what I was saying with Tanzania and like the expectations and things like that. There were oh, things that okay. I expected and. From stories my parents had told me, you know, there were things that I thought I was going to see and some things I did see and some things I didn't. I was like, hold up here. Like, I mean, you know, when you're, like I said, when you see from the resort, you see the greatest bits. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the nitty gritty, you know, you see the, this is any situation, you see the real, real. And sometimes that real, real was such a turnoff. I was like, ugh, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is how it really is. And I think it took me a while to, like, be able to appreciate that just as much as the good. Yeah, especially when I was meeting with like, you know, every once in a while, every few months we have all the other volunteers on the island. Maybe we get together um, for a training or whatever. And Mm -hmm. to hear everyone else, which I mean, they were speaking truth, but to hear everyone else, not trash, but talk badly and be honest about what they were seeing, what they were experiencing. I was just like, man, my people Mm. like it's true. And I'm just like so ashamed like that this is, you know how you know what they're seeing this is how we behave like let's not air our dirty laundry to the world but that's Mm. not something you can hide when someone is there every day okay that's interesting yeah essentially because honestly until i saw um you know on facebook you posting about doing the peace corps i didn't even know the peace corps was in jamaica so yeah um yeah that's interesting that it is too yeah because because i I mean, you might not even know, but like I've read in the past, so there's kind of like almost this, and this is just me reading as an outsider, but how there's sometimes this like resentment, not just in Jamaica, but in a lot of Caribbean places about how kind of the tourism industry is kind of taken over. And so you have this, just this foreign presence that you can't get rid of. Um, I don't know if, 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 is that a similar thing in reaction to like the Peace Corps being there? Like, is that something that... Jamaican people welcome or is that kind of just seen as like more intrusion? I think that I think that it's welcome from what I experienced. Mm-hmm. Um I do think that there could be a better understanding for sure um to the general public of what the Peace Corps is, where it is and why it's there. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think that's widely enough known as far as Jamaicans are concerned and I think that would definitely benefit the program as a whole. Mm. People just had a better understanding of what it is. Like, you know, when I'm there, you know, people, some people think you're here to, you know, do these big projects and construction, stuff like that. And I'm like, no, like I am here as one person. There is no money behind me. Like you mm-hmm. got me and literally what you see right here. <laughs> and that's, that's all I got, you know? Yeah. And then even with it, even within myself, like there's confines and rules as far as like what I can do and what I can't do, mm-hmm. you know, so that that can get tricky when, you know, someone asks you to do this and you're like, ah, that's, you know, against the rules or out of my scope. And then it makes you look 
bad personally, they, you look like you don't want to help or you're mm-hmm. unwilling. And it's like, no, it's not that. It's just that, you know, I'm here and I'm only allowed to work in a certain capacity. Right. Or I'm only, you know, I have restrictions on this and that. And that's, that's kind of hard for people to conceptualize. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, so the Peace Corps, it's a, like a volunteer position and it's, what is it? It's, it's supposed to be like two years, right? Is that the requirement? But you didn't, yeah. but you didn't say the full two years, right? Right. I stayed for like 18 months. Okay. That's still a pretty long time though. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time. It was long as I need to be there, but it was a long time. <laughs> So, I mean, did you just, I mean, did you just get fed up or, I mean, did you just feel like you didn't need to be there anymore? So then you left? Yeah, I think it was just, and again, like I said, with the expectations, I went in and I think what well, me going to Jamaica might not have been a good idea because I had such a background and maybe that's yeah. why the previous years they didn't allow it. Right. Because I went in, you know, with these expectations and they tell you don't go with expectations. That was not possible for me. Yeah. That was absolutely not possible. So I think that. For in that way, I kind of set myself up, but I still had, you know, I went with expectations, but I think I still had an open mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there were, there was a lot of good and I was really into it for a while. And then it was just like, when I got to my actual placement, like if I started with like a motivation bar, that bar just got chipped away just mm-hmm. like repeatedly. And there were opportunities for it to get built back up and it was not getting built back up. And I yeah. would, you know, like I thought about leaving multiple times throughout the process and I was just like no Devana like you made this commitment you're gonna stay here for this whole time you know you're gonna come away with this and that you're gonna have you know all these great things behind you like stick with it so that's what I talked myself into a lot of the time Mm -hmm. but again like that motivation bar was just not getting built back up it was hard to feel effective it was hard to like just be happy every day and motivated every day and that Mm -hmm. was just not a good mental space for me to be in yeah. And I didn't want just the fact that I had made the commitment to be the only reason that I was there because that didn't benefit me or the people that I was supposed to be helping. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, like, <laughs> like when you're in school here and you know, there are certain teachers that, you know, just hate teaching. Like they hate yes. their jobs, but they're just there because they've been there for so long or they're holding Stop out for out. tenure or something. It's kind of like that. Like you didn't, you, yeah. that's not how you wanted to be just to be there because you had said you would be there. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to be like motivated and excited about it and you know, and that that was just lost. And that didn't even always have to do with the teaching necessarily. Mm-hmm. A lot of it had to do with the social aspects or lack thereof, which is okay. a problem. And it was like, you know, school was kinda like my safe haven where, you know, I got to be with the kids and the kids really love me and stuff like that. And then it's like as soon as I leave the school, you know, if no one wants to say hi to you on the street or interact with you or be your friend, it became just, it was like very, very lonely. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Devana. That sounds really That's sad. Right. I'm sorry Nothing. you had to go through it's, that. <laughs> it's the reality for, it's a reality for a lot of volunteers. And I think mm-hmm. some just handle it better than others, but I don't think it's something that people should have to endure just because you signed up. Cause it's not something that you can be ready for until you experience it. Like, right. You've got to protect yourself just as well as the people you're supposed to be there helping. So I think my decision to make, and it should have been made sooner. Yeah. Um, but my decision to leave definitely was was benefiting, and I do not regret that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what is the process for leaving the Peace Corps early? Do you just say, is it just like with any job where you just put in your notice and then you, you get to go? <laughs> like, how does that work? <laughs> you basically, it's okay. a little, it's a little quicker than that. Like. 
And, you know, I had tried to talk myself out of it. I had tried to talk to, like, staff and stuff like that. Like, I'm having this issue. Can you help me with this? Can you, you know, help me resolve this so it's not an issue so much so it's not bothering me? And I just felt like that wasn't helping. And so when I got to, like, my wits end, again, after just so many things had happened, and I was like, well, dang. Then I just sent an email to my program manager and was like, you know, this is not something that I really want to do. I kind of explained my reasoning to it, and she was just like, okay. Um, but word of advice to anyone else who's thinking about leaving, you get like 72 hours within when you send that message and when you're supposed to be home. Mm. Like it is, it is a turnaround. So when you send that, let them know, make sure, you know, when those words are said that you're ready to go home, that you are really ready to go home and pack yourself up, pack your stuff up before. Cause packing up two years of stuff in 72 hours yeah. is a mess. Oh my God, it's a mess. <laughs> I don't think I realized it was going to be that quick. I was like, Oh God, like giving stuff away, leaving stuff here, like, take this, take that, this needs to come back home, this can, you know, like, that was a mess. That mm. was a mess. Dang. So I could have I could have planned better had I known more about that whole process. But, you right. know, that's kind of how it is. And then when you get back to the Capitol or whatever, then you do, you know, your little interviews with each staff member, you know, the money exchange, you know, getting your ticket back home and, you know, all these, all these little details. You have an interview with the country director on how things went your experience was that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but that was a mess too i mean it was like i was hoping at some point even during that 72 hours i would regret having made my decision and i felt like so much happened even then that mm. confirmed like yeah. this this is a mess <laughs> i need to go home yeah and i was i was sad to see that i was happy because i didn't want to go home having you know felt like i made a bad choice but i was i was sad that i had made such a commitment to such an organization that i I don't know. Didn't feel like I made, made that commitment to me, I guess. Mm, okay. And that, that, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask if they were like understanding or if you felt like, like you were being uh, judged or whatever for, for, for leaving early. I don't know, but it sounds like you, it wasn't that, um, <laughs> it wasn't a very pleasant experience when you were on your way out. Yeah, it it would depend on the person. Okay, it would, like there are a lot of there's a lot of staff there. Okay, so some of them I had a really good relationship with, and some of them were like really sorry to see me leave. Some of them knew what was up and were like, "All right, I understand." Like you know, you put you put up with what you put up with for long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were others that you know, I guess were far enough removed from my experience that maybe they didn't have an understanding. But at no point did I feel that they tried to get an understanding. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that the organization is really missing out on because a lot of people go home for peace work. A lot of people go home. And oh, Japan wow. is one of those countries in particular that people leave. And clearly there's a reason. Like, if there's a pattern, <laughs> let's the pattern, let's understand, let's correct. Right, and right. That's not happening. And I'm just not understanding, like, isn't that just common sense? Like, let's let's correct this. Yeah. Because when you make, an, you make a big investment in a Peace Corps volunteer, like, no, we don't make money. But, I mean, between flights and training and staff that you're paying, like, you know, you want to make sure a program is as effective as it can be. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know people were, I, I just, I hear about you don't people. Know what you, you don't know it until you start Googling it, girl. Right. You start Googling that stuff. You figure yourself out real quick. Yeah. I didn't know that the people, I didn't know that was an option that you could just leave the Peace Corps. Cause whenever I heard about the Peace Corps, it was about people who had like been there the whole time. Like the yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you could just leave if you didn't like it or if it wasn't, you know, if it just was not con- conducive to what you're trying to do at all. So, um, right. But I guess that makes sense. It's not like they can, like, keep you there if you don't want to be there. <laughs> right. I mean, how much would that, like, I would just refuse to teach. Like, that yeah. wouldn't make any sense. So. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, um, you know, I'm sorry it turned out not to be, didn't work out. Uh, but, you know, you made that decision for yourself and it seems like it was the right one. Like you said, you don't, you don't regret that decision at all. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, I mean, were there any significant positives from that time? Like any friendships you made or any things about just living, living in Jamaica that were, that were positive to you that you were able to, to hold on to? I think, I mean, there's a lot of stuff for sure. I loved, and I, one of my first things I said when I got to Jamaica was like, I've grown up hearing stories of Jamaica. I want to see these stories for myself. I want to make my own. So, I mean, that, I definitely got that. You know, I got Mm -hmm. to experience Jamaica firsthand. I now have not just that ideal version of what Jamaica is. I now got the full picture. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Whereas where I was going through experience, I could definitely couldn't appreciate it. Right. Um, like it just, I mean, a knowledge base. I am proud of myself for having lived abroad alone, like mm-hmm. in these conditions. Like I found out I can live without internet or I can live without, you know, uh, water for as however long it doesn't rain. And, you know, just I'm, I'm so much stronger and more resilient mm-hmm. and open to things that I wasn't for sure. Um, and my fiance is from Jamaica. So, I mean, had I not ever gone, like <laughs> wouldn't be getting married. So Aww, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely good things that, that came from it. Yeah. But again, like I said, had you asked me, you know, a year or six months from when I left, I couldn't have been able to say these things. And so I'm far enough removed from the experience that I am really able to look back and still see, you know, the parts of it that were not so good, but definitely also appreciate, you know, things that have come from that experience. Yeah, you've had time to recover from it and gain a a bit more perspective looking back. So, um, yeah, that's really, that's always hard when like situations, especially when it has to do with like your life. Like, you know, this is your job. This has to do with where you live. You know, this is like a huge part of your life that just didn't turn out the way uh, you would have liked, you know, and that's really hard to, to bounce back from. But, uh, you know, like you said, you still have a lot of a lot of good things that, that came from it, you know. So, I mean, based on your own experience, is the Peace Corps something that you would recommend to people who are interested? No, or, don't no? do it. <laughs> don't do it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I have... You know, like, because I, I, I did so much, like, blogging about it on, like, my Instagram and stuff like that while mm-hmm. I was there. And I was really honest about it, but I was kind of, like, filtered uh-huh. in what I was, you know, showing and saying. Yeah. You know, vers- basically, other than people that I was talking to, you know, that I know personally and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of people were, like, following me on Instagram, you know, watching my journey, and all of a sudden I wasn't there anymore. Uh-huh. And that was another reason that I was really, like, hesitant to leave. I was like, dang. I'll be posting about Jamaica today and posting about the U.S. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and they were. A lot of people were like, whoa, what happened? How do you go? Why do you go? Stuff like that. And I couldn't talk about it at first because I was, like I said, I was so bitter about the experience. Yeah, it was raw. It's like, now is not the time for me to share. Yeah. So, you know, when I was far enough removed, I have shared more about it and I still have so much more to share. But um, I I definitely wouldn't recommend it. And I don't, I'm really confused. People message me now knowing I was in Peace Corps. Ask, tell me like, oh, I'm thinking about joining. What do you think? If you don't get out of my DMs, you know good and darn well what I think. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're late to to your your account and haven't gone through maybe. the whole backlog, so they don't know that how it how it ended up. I don't know. Maybe, they just see Peace Corps and like, oh, this person can give me some info, some intel. I guess I give them info. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. It is. It's. It's. It's funny though. It's interesting. Some people still. I mean, I still am honest. Some people are like, oh, maybe that was just your experience. I'm still gonna try it. I'm like, go for it. Do your thing. But I also always try to recommend that people. There are like what I was looking for. I could have gone through another avenue. I could have, mm-hmm. you know, done like a teach away program or something like that. And still got, you know, the same things I was looking for out of that. So I'm always like, you know, just explore your options. Yeah. And I think people feel like Peace Corps is like the only or maybe the easiest way to be able to do what they're trying to do. And there are other options. If it's something you really want to do, like, you'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that, that you had, had gone through all that. And then having a baby, and you moved across country when you were pregnant, yeah. right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I sure did. I but, sure did. Come but, that that job search after coming back from Peace Corps was was tough. Yeah, wow, it was tough. And my the job I got was across the country, and I was like, "Well, here we go." Right. Wow. Wow, Devon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kudos to you. <laughs> thank you. When I tell you, life comes at you, and you just have to come at it. Like there's mm-hmm. no other choice. Yeah, there's no other choice. Are you happy with how things have turned out so far? I mean, it's, it's still, things still remain to be seen. You know, life is still, uh, still have tons of life ahead of you. But I mean, so far, that your, your journey thus far, do you feel happy with or content with the way things have, have been? I think I am learning to be more appreciative of the way things are and are going. But as far as like, I think it's always very difficult to, have that mindset while going through it, which is yeah. something I'm working on. Yeah, and I think same. that me going through so many like continuous hard times is forcing me to get into that mindset. Right. I mean, you can't just live unhappy all the time. Like, that's just terrible. Right. So I, I definitely, there's definitely <laughs> room for happiness to come in my life, mm-hmm. but I definitely think that I am feeling and seeing myself grow through it, so that's not something I can be upset about, you know? Yeah. No, that's real. That's real. So you've 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 been back to Jamaica, right? And then you were recently in Canada too, as well, right? Right. Okay. I mean, I know you you have <laughs> you have a job and you have a child, and now you're getting you're planning to get married and everything. But is there anywhere else um, in the world that you would like to go or have plans to go um, yeah. in the near or far future? I you know with this hear virus i'm like trying to decide oh, right. to take advantage of the cheap tickets <laughs> or do i get scared like everybody else you know because like everything is on sale right now now could be the time to you know just travel it up but uh-huh. i definitely have like an endless list of places i want to go mm-hmm. like i've i've been traveling a lot with my son and he does really well traveling and i just that's good there's so much of the world i want to show him and then being able to travel with my partner eventually and show he has i mean he's done some traveling but there's so much, there's just so much of the world to see and appreciate. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that having done these journeys that I have, you know, through Germany, Tanzania, and um, Jamaica, I'm a lot less scared. Like, like I said, you know, and one of that third spot on the Peace Corps application, I was like, there are certain places I will not go. Yeah. I don't feel like that so much anymore. Okay. I definitely think that since I've gotten so much into travel, like if you scroll through my Instagram, there's travel everywhere. Mm-hmm. I would go to so many places like Southeast Asia was someplace I never would have touched at one point in life. Mm. The culture's just too different. Language is too different. And I'm like, let's go. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, my list is endless as much as I can see. I would like to see. It's actually very frustrating wanting to go and do so much when it's like, okay, but you have to have a job, but you have to earn time off. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like it, it, life is very contradictory in that way, but yeah. I, I want to see as much as I possibly can. I would love to go. Maldives is one of the places on. I would love to make that my honeymoon spot at some point. Oh, um, 
Bali is definitely on the list. Like I said, Thailand has jumped up on the list. I also have been working with refugees for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, when you go back home, I'm coming with you. Mm. Like, I, I wanna, <laughs> especially because I said like that firsthand experience from someone that lived there and knows the area. I'm like, when you go, I'm, I'm coming. Just let me know when I'm ready. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am hijacking people's family trips. I am like, <laughs> I'm coming. Let your mother know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I do hope over time you are able to explore and all that. And it'll be special, I'm sure, with, with your partner as well, or even doing more um, travels with your son, because that's a really, that'll be, I mean, he might not even remember or, or know it now, but that's a really valuable thing as well, to, to be able to go to so many places so young. So, so much. He's been yeah. out of the country, and all I hear is, I haven't, I haven't even been out of the country yet. <laughs> So it's it's just something that I and I know that people are hesitant and it's very intimidating and mm-hmm. something like that. But you can ease your way into it. You can go to somewhere like Jamaica that is like known for tourists and stuff like that. Be okay. You yeah. can go to somewhere you know, that's a little less well known or road a little less traveled. But it's there's just I just can't imagine not having had the experiences that I've had. They've just mm-hmm. done so much to shape me and yeah. open my perspective on you know life and people and see beyond myself and see beyond my own country. And I feel like that's something that, you know, like when we look at the political climate, like that's something that it could be of such value. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can only speak on what you know, but if you're not willing to learn anymore else, then maybe you should speak a little less. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta write that down. No, that's the truth. I need to write that down too. That was good. No, I need to write that down too. <laughs> there's, there's just so much out there, and if you don't, if you you're unwilling to go behind you know your front door and mm-hmm. your family, but you've got everything to say, that just doesn't make much sense to me. So I, yeah. I can't, I can't regret my decisions and the opportunities that I've been given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as going to Tanzania. And and Germany, I guess with with the Peace Corps, everything was kind of paid for for you. But with Germany and Tanzania, was there anything that you did in particular to be able to afford to go on those trips? Anything financial wise that was able to, you know, make that possible for you? So let's see for for Germany. I know we did like raffle tickets or something like that. Okay, Um, I don't remember exactly what they were for, but I know we did raffle tickets or something like that. I sold not a lot. I'm never really good at that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> but I did sell some. Okay. Um, and then with uh, with the Tanzania trip, I want to say, like, I just used the financial aid. Mm. Um, and then my parents, I've been fortunate that my parents have always supported me in this kind of thing. So, like, if there's, you know, room or something that needs to be made up, like, they've got me on that. Because mm. even if they're scared or don't agree that I should be going across the world by myself, they're still like, they know that's me and they're still, you know, they've always wanted to help with that. So, mm-hmm. Oh, that's sweet. That's good though. That's good to have that, that type of support, you know? It definitely, because everyone doesn't have it. I think yeah. It's great. Yeah. And then with Jamaica, everything was kind of, I mean, did you have to save just for like living expenses or is everything kind of covered when you do the Peace Corps? They, you know, I would say that depends on how you want to live. Okay. They give you a, they give you a stipend, which is not a significant amount of money. You know, it pays for like essentials. So, um, I personally did dip into some of my savings because, you know, maybe you want a little more of this or a little more of that, or maybe mm-hmm. you want to, you know, like 
maybe like I'm in Jamaica, so I saw like the whole island. I was like, okay, I want to go see this and that while I'm here mm-hmm. because it's much cheaper for me to do it from here on island than it is for me to co- you know go back to the U.S. and then try to come back. So um, that depends on you. I know other people who are like, I am living off of this stipend strictly. I'm not touching money from back home. I know other people, especially we had some older people in the group. They've got businesses going back home. Like mm. people had, some people had income coming in while they're there. And you can sell that, you know, like when they buy a washing machine or a flat screen TV and stuff like that. But, <laughs> so that definitely depends on your individual experience and what resources you have. Yeah. Based on how you, how you learn that whole thing. Okay. And then um, just like in general, for people who want to, study abroad or just want to travel more, do you have any tips or advice that you would want to share to encourage them? So I would say link up with people that have already done it. Um, I think they're going to give you the best motivation and insight. Also, like, since I've been back from, like, Peace Corps, for instance, the amount of jobs that I've seen abroad that I don't think I ever would have come across because people are in that circle and they're looking for it as well, Mm -hmm. um, they're a great resource. Uh, I also think you just have to do it and starting small, like I left Miss Michigan and I lived there for so many years and there's so much in Michigan I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So I think exploring locally, don't minimize that. You don't have to go to a foreign country, you know, in the remote, most remote part of the world to have, say like you're a traveler, like yeah, experiment, like experiment with where you are, get comfortable with that, appreciate where you're at for sure. Um, and I think just try it. Save up, you know, save up your vacation time, save up your money. You know, it's great to travel with friends, but we, we all know how those trips go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when people drop out, yeah. still be willing to go. Like, this experience is not for them, it's for you. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's like, commit to it. Just know for real, like, I'm going. You know, start that penny jar or whatever, and then just go. Because once you get a taste of it, like, I, I have a friend that just... She's in the Dominican Republic this week, and this is her first time being international. And I was like, how does it feel? She was like, man, where are we going next? I was like, right. <laughs> because before, that was never something she was open to, and now yeah. she's had a taste of it. And there's just like, you can't get enough once you start. Right, right. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, those, and those are all very good um, <clears throat> very good pieces of advice. So, so thank you for that. So the last question I asked everybody is where can people uh, reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? So um, I've got like YouTube, not super active, but it's there. Um, I've got like Instagram. My name is my Facebook and then Instagram is um, Domanem, which is G-U-M-B-O-N-E-M. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also recently started a tourism business in Jamaica, which is Jam Life Tours, and that's same thing on Facebook, same thing on Instagram, where we're just trying to, like, all those little, like, nooks and crannies I found while being there where no tourists knew about. Mm-hmm. We want to take people to see that so they can get off the resort and really appreciate Jamaica for what it is and then support, like, the small local businesses that are in the rural areas that might not get as much business. So mm. that's where it's at. Okay. Wonderful. And then and congrats to you on that as well. I forgot to mention that. Like, that's Thank a huge you. venture, and I hope that you all are – are successful and I mean what better people to do it than people who are actually Jamaican you know <laughs> so right right <laughs> yeah I wish you nothing but the best for that um thank you yeah so thank you again for your time today uh this has been really fun I enjoyed learning about learning more about your experiences um cause you know I saw bits and pieces on like Facebook and Instagram but it's different getting to you know to hear from you your own um you know uh, recollections of 
things that you've done. I am just so impressed by just how you've been able to maneuver life so far. Like, <laughs> stay But just all the different changes and all the different like moves you've made and, and, you know, just being a mom and keeping a child alive is a huge thing too. So I just, oh, yeah. you know, I, I really do admire all that you've been able to do so far. And I'm sure it's just going to continue um, as time goes on. But I, I'm really glad that I got to, um, to to talk to you today. It's been so long. And, you know, I think, what did we meet? We met in like gospel choir or something. Choir, and that yeah. was a long, long time ago. So, <laughs> so was, uh, I enjoyed my point is I really enjoyed getting to talk to you today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as oh, well. without a doubt. Thank you so much for having me and for considering me for this. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's uh, it's really is a pleasure and an honor. So, but yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. I hope you enjoy oh, the rest of you. your day. Um, thank you too. Yes, thank you for um, teaching me that Arizona does not spring forward because I did not know that until today. <laughs> no, I, I didn't even I didn't even realize this was something that was optional. I thought it was just what America did. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, or maybe I learned that before and I forgot. But thank you for reintroducing that that uh, that reality to my brain because I did not know no that. Problem. So thank you. <laughs> Problem. Keep up with the podcast. This is so cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I will. I'm trying. You know, that's um, I'm going to keep going until I can't anymore. So, <laughs> so uh, but yeah, I'll let you let you go. You can be with your, your mom and your baby and everything. And just, oh my gosh, I just I just think you're so cool. And I just hope you, <laughs> thank you. I hope you just continue to do great things. And, and I hope you have a great a great week and beyond. Okay. So. Thank you. You do the same. Stay in touch. All right. We'll do. Okay. Talk to you later, Devana. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Devana for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, the guest is going to be uh, yet another person whom I have known previously, and she spent some years working as a foreign service officer. So in other words, she was a diplomat in Nigeria and Italy. So you get to hear all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. <laughs>